And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. You will notice that there is a box here in the studio. All right. Welcome, everyone. It is Monday. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor here at SciFiForMe.com. We are live from the bunker. My pronouns are boss, chief, and yes, sir. How soon do you want it? My triggers are bad grammar, poor spelling, and uninformed hot takes. Am I doing this right? I don't think I'm doing it right. Good to have everybody here. The chat is open. The comments are open. You can leave your thoughts, share what you think about these topics, these various different things that I spew forth. We have an email address live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. We also have a newsletter in case you want to sign up for that. We are broadcasting live to Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And we're 11 followers away from 100 on our Twitch channel. So, uh, at some point, hopefully soon, we'll be able to do, uh, well, I mean, we're able to do watch parties now, but I want to get us up to a hundred and, and, you know, it's good to have goals, right? If you like to listen on as a podcast, we're on all the different podcast players, Various different places, Apple, Double Twist, Listen Notes, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast. You can always get all of our shows through an RSS feed. So, <clears throat> it's been a busy weekend. Got the yard mode. That's that, that was quite an accomplishment, I tell you. Um, because... It's a jungle out there. So here we go. We got a full week this week. Uh, Tomorrow on the program, uh, horror filmmaker Patrick Ray will join us. And then on Wednesday, we will have author Eric Leland. We just got his book, Inhuman. It's a rather large book. And it is about a forgotten evil waiting in Vietnam's dark jungle. So we're gonna we're gonna take a look at that. I have not had a chance to crack that book open yet, but it's an intriguing description. And uh, I see Sci-Fi Snob in the chat. Welcome, sir. Three inches of snow here on Sunday. Good night, nurse. I'm so glad. You know, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because um, we had. Uh, Alex uh, uh, in he's in the UK, and he's the creator of Columns of Creation, his new comic book that's funding over on Indiegogo right now. And we had him on Saturday on Good Morning Multiverse, and he said he got snow in the UK as well. So I don't know if this is just kind of a north-ish thing. 
or what? So, uh, hello, RJ and Critical Blast. He says, Chekhov would not have joined a communist federation. Um, well, the Chekhov that you mentioned there, maybe not. The other Chekhov probably wouldn't either. <laughs> All right, so let's let's start with a couple of real quick things that I, I want to get to, not really in depth because this is just surface reaction stuff. I don't want to I don't want to spend too much time on it, uh, but I do want to give kudos to Dr. Jordan Peterson uh, for owning the Red Skull meme as he has done. Uh, for those of you who are not up to speed on this, Ta-Nehisi Coates, who is about to write the new Superman movie we hear, is decidedly left, let's say. Uh, he is a left-wing activist. He is um, very, very focused on race. I'll be generous there. And in the latest edition of Captain America, which he has been writing for Marvel Comics, he's basically associated the villain, the Nazi Hydra villain Red Skull, with Dr. Jordan Peterson. And the obvious implications here are that, you know, Jordan Peterson is alt-right, he's a Nazi, let's put his words in the mouth of a Nazi. So Red Skull is now a blogger of all things, which is a dumb idea, and is uh, spouting off various different things. So, so the memes have, of course, surfaced rather quickly, taking things that Jordan Peterson has said and attaching those words to various different photographs of the Red Skull. One of those being, if you meet a cat on the street, pet it. You know, very rational, very re reasonable things that Dr. Peterson has said in order to get your life in order, to have some purpose, to have some meaning. And he's been painted as evil, and so he's owned it. And, of course, one of the things that you we, we hear about the lobster thing a lot. Basically, he's using the lobsters as an analogy for certain creatures to automatically kind of fall into hierarchies. Hierarchies are natural for certain, uh, for certain organisms, including lobsters and humans. We, we fall into order and structure. And so when all of this popped up, making Dr. Peterson out to be this evil person he decided to own it. And uh, there is now artwork of a lobster in the Hydra design. And he says, Hail Lobster. And actually, he has taken this as an opportunity to own those who would criticize him. And there's now merchandise. There's now Hail Lobster merchandise that you can buy. He's raising money for charity. All of the funds go to charity for this. And uh, it's a, a couple of different, uh, a couple of different things. I think Boys and Girls Club of America is one of them, because you know they're evil, racist, white supremacist not organization, right? I mean, that's where the money should be going, right? If he's if he's an actual terrible, evil person, 
We make these, you know, people people spend so much time making assumptions and labeling people. And we've talked about this before, the whole cancel cult thing. But it it con it's contrast. This all blows up at the same time. We start getting other other items in the news. Uh, over the weekend, we had the the news that Phoebe Waller Bridge was going to be joining the cast of Indiana Jones Five, and let's talk about making assumptions for a minute here because there are lots of people I, I i joke at the beginning of the program that one of my triggers is uninformed hot takes there are a lot of times uh and you see it especially now recently with the shootings there are assumptions that get made people just jump to a conclusion well it must be x and as the story plays out we learn that it's not x and a lot of people on the left like to make those assumptions that somebody is a white supremacist or a racist or a bigot or a homophobe or a sexist or whatever. And it turns out not to be the case. They want to make those labels in order to other someone and unperson that, that, that someone, that target of their criticism. Well, there's a very real danger here of people who are conservative, libertarian, even centrist moderates, whether you're left, uh, left or right, there's a, there's a danger here for us to be doing the same thing. And I'm seeing a lot of that with the casting of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Now, I may have missed it. And I'm willing to be corrected on this, informed about this, but I have not seen specifics that would lead somebody to conclude that just by casting Phoebe Waller-Bridge in Indiana Jones 5, the movie is going to go woke, as it were. Now, I know a lot of people make assumptions about her based on what? The fact that she played a droid in Solo... And the type of droid she played in Solo, writers and actors are are not the same. Actors are performing a part that writers write. So, so you make this association that she's some kind of woke feminist, and she might be. I don't know. But just the 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 vitriol and the the snap judgments and the knee-jerk reactions that I've been seeing to the news that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to be on Indiana Jones 5, oh, well, it means it's going to be woke indie. We don't know that. It's an easy assumption to make. And it could very well be the case. But I don't... I, I have not found... I've looked this morning, you know, it's just surface-level search... And I have not found very much to indicate that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is lunatic fringe left. Now, she might be, and she hides it, maybe. I don't know. 
But there's a very real danger here of, you know, it's it's one thing, you know, you get somebody like Dr. Peterson who is employing some of the same tactics. You know, it, I, I've said before, it's a very good idea for us, us, quote unquote, for people on the right and for conservatives and for libertarians, it's people who are against cancel cult, it is a good idea to read Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, because that kind of tactic where you make your enemy, quote-unquote, you make the opposition the subject of ridicule. And that's what Dr. Peterson is doing here with this whole Red Skull business with Tiny Easy Coats. He's turning it into a funny and they are mocking Ta-Nehisi Coates, and they are mocking this whole idea that the Red Skull is some kind of blogger now on the internet. That's how you do it. You make your, your opposition, you make your enemies the object of ridicule. But the thing about it is, there's a very real danger here that the right, and I'm going to use that term loosely, the right starts to employ... M- a lot of the same tactics that the left does in just blanket labeling various different people in order to unperson and other them. That is not something that we need to be doing. It's, it's not something that anybody needs to be doing. The left habitually does it. We expect it from them. But that does not justify doing it to them. We need to use other tactics. I say we. We in general as a general population type of thing. You make the person who is being an idiot with the things, what they say, what they write, how they perform, whatever they're doing, whether it's you know stuff in the interviews or, or material that's posted online, You make it the object of ridicule, but you don't automatically assume that just because Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to be in Indiana Jones 5, it's going to be woke. Now, there are other reasons why you could assume that it's going to be woke. Kathleen Kennedy's track record being one with Star Wars. Disney's behavior with regard to Mulan, you know, shooting a movie next to a concentration camp that's that's, uh, a, a prison for Muslims. In addition to, you know, threatening to pull out of, you know, pull all of their productions out of Georgia because of the because of the abortion legislation that was there a couple of years ago. And now this voting thing, you know, the new voter bill. There are reasons why you could assume Indiana Jones 5 is going to be woke. But. Just because one is a thing does not automatically follow that the other is a thing. We don't know because No Time to Die, which she came in on to help write, it's still not out. There are a lot of people that are making assumptions about that movie with regard to James Bond's misogyny and and the new 007 being played by Lashana Lynch. But that's all they are, folks. They're assumptions. And I say folks, spelling it F-O-L-K-S, not F-O-L-X. All right, so let's get into our 
our main topic. I'm gonna, yes, I know it's sitting right over here. The box, the box is down here. I don't know that I'm gonna open it yet. Do I want, do we open it now or do we open it at the end of the show? Do we make people wait? You don't know. All right. Well, let's get into this. So, Star Trek.com. Speaking of the object of ridicule, Star Trek.com posts an article. This is dated April 8th. It's an article by Sean Kelly. I don't know Sean Kelly. But the headline, The Star Trek Communist Hopes Star Trek Can Inspire a Real Revolution. And there are a lot of people on YouTube that have been talking about this. So we're going to talk about it a little bit. I have gotten past the point of shaking my head at these people. And these people, by, by that I mean people who really don't have a clue about history. I am so over people not understanding that things happened before they were born. The world did not spontaneously come into existence 20 years ago, ladies and gentlemen, or 15 years ago, or 25 years ago. The world's been around for a very long time, and things happen in cycles, and history has a tendency to repeat itself. But I have never encountered such unabashed and celebrated ignorance in my life. I've been on this planet 50 years, 51 years now. And it's only in the last few years, and, and you can blame this on whatever, social media, the internet, YouTube, TikTok, the education system, the lack of the lack of faith communities. I mean, it could be anything at this point. But you've got people who are so stupid believing that communism could be a good thing. So let's let's get into this a little bit because this is this is a this is a dummy talking. Now I I say that he could be very intelligent. But his ideas are not. All right, they start off with a quote from Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek First Contact. Quote, the acquisition of wealth is no longer the driving force in our lives. We work to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. Okay? That's good. Reading from the article. Most Star Trek fans agree that the Federation would be a nice place to live. It's got unlimited food, no wars, friendly holographic medical care on demand, and regular classical music performances on Deck 10. Ha ha, okay. It's great, in short, and hope springs eternal amongst Trek faithful that the future represented on screen is a future we'll one day achieve. But how do we get there from here? All right. So far, so far we're okay. Will Wen is a fan who asks that question a lot. Quote, in the earth of the future, we eliminate poverty, hunger, homelessness, 
all the stuff that's hard to still talk about. It's paradise on Earth, he says. How do you actually achieve a one-world government with no national borders where we've eliminated poverty and war and hunger and disease? That's a pretty significant gain, pretty significant achievement. And yes, it is, except it's not real. And it's not realistic. Continuing here, that's the thing. Star Trek is very detailed about the makeup of that utopian future, but not clear on the assembly. We've got the Bell Riots coming up in three years, give or take, and sometime in the next 40 years, we've got World War III to contend with, possibly featuring genetically augmented supermen, and ultimately first contact with an alien society before we're off to the races. We've got the pieces, but no way of fitting them together, like an Ikea dresser without an instruction manual, and we'll probably need more than a complimentary alien wrench, Allen wrench, rather, to pull this off. Will Wynn thinks he has the answer. Communism! <sighs> the conclusion is, he says, only through a socialist revolution to overthrow capitalism, going to the next stage of human development, can you actually do that. All right, there's a lot to unpack in that one sentence. One, socialism and communism are not exactly the same thing. Socialism leads to communism in terms of poverty and victims of the state. A socialist revolution... Uh, for for whatever nice thoughts. I mean, communism on paper, and we've talked about this before in a number of places. Mr. Harvey and I have discussed it both on the air and off. Communism on paper makes for a nice theory. Nobody wants for anything. Everybody benefits. All contributes to the good of society. But then, as Mr. Harvey rightly points out, when you add humans to the equation, it all goes out the window. Because some humans are exceptional. They go above and beyond. They treat their fellow man with decency and respect. And there are some humans who are not so exceptional. There are some who are lazy. There are some who are greedy. There are some who are stupid. There are some who are arrogant in their belief that they're better than others. And communism never works. Ever. I have yet to be pointed to a society where it works. Even in those, those you know... You know, Netherlands, Poland, you know, not Poland, Netherlands, Norway, Sweden, that, that group. Well, they've got, they've got communism. Well, no, they don't. It's not pure communism. It's not pure socialism. There are capitalistic elements to those societies as well. For the last couple of years, reading back from the article, Wynn has been evangelizing this view in a uniquely Trek fashion and wearing Trek fashion to do it, calling himself the Star Trek communist, 
Wen Dunn's costumes from multiple eras of Trek, ranging from the monster maroon of the original series movies to the bright colors and sharp edges of lower decks. Posting frequently on Trek fan pages and Facebook groups, his preferred pose is toasting the camera with a blue beverage that's probably not Romulan ale. This, this guy thinks he's being cute. <clears throat> Facing into the camera like Benjamin Sisko in the classic Deep Space Nine episode in the pale moonlight... Referencing the pronunciation of his own name, he signs many of his photos with the simple slogan, Communism will win. The effect was immediate, and as Wen explained, a lot of people get mad. And rightly so, because he's espousing a theory that a lot of people don't accept. Nor should they. Sci-Fi Snob in the chat says, Socialism is just communism in a pretty dress. It works in it works in Star Trek? Well, it might work in Star Trek because Star Trek is fiction. Critical Blast. The first thing you need for communism, matter creator thingies. Well, see, and that... I'm going to get to that. Because there is a very real difference in the types of societies we're talking about here. Because... It, well, let me let me. I don't want to jump ahead. I want to. I don't want to skip skip ahead too far into that. But it, it, we'll 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 get to that. That's a, it's a it's a good point. So, how Will became a Star Trek fan and cosplayer is a pretty common story. One most Trek fans would identify with. Quote: I think my Star Trek journey, if you will, started out like many of my generation. Pun intended. When says, I was a next generation baby. I grew up watching it on syndication, watching Patrick Stewart, watching that entire crew. Whenever it was on TV, I think my parents allowed me to watch it because they thought it was somewhat educational because it was set in space and there was a lot of talking. Well, yes, that's one of the criticisms that many have leveled at The Next Generation is there's, there's a lot of talking, especially from Jean-Luc Picard, who likes to talk his way out of situations and intellectualize things. The cowboy diplomacy of the original series was a thing of the past. And that's one of the reasons why I have never been a huge diehard fan of The Next Generation. Not just the fact that Picard talks a lot. He's more diplomat. And I get it. All the different kind of characters that you have, you have different kinds of captains. And Will Riker always struck me as a watered-down Jim Kirk. Because you got to have a Jim Kirk. You know, you got to have that guy. But Picard always struck me as talking too much. He relied too much on diplomacy. There are times, yes, absolutely, let's try the diplomatic route. And there are times when you shoot. And he was reluctant a little bit too much, I think, to shoot. Now, the other part of that... Uh, criticism of Next Generation that I have is the fact that the entire crew of the Enterprise, the bridge crew, our ensemble of characters that we saw from week to week, for the most part, always got along. There was no conflict inherent in the personalities of our stars. It all came from outside the conflict was always imposed on our cast of characters, whether it comes from the Romulans, or the Klingons, or the or the Jem'Hadar, or the Borg, or the the Dominion, or uh, you know the the uh, whoever. 
Moriarty on the holodeck. I, all of the all of the conflict came from an external source, and that does not make for good drama. The writers of the show have even, in interviews, talked about how frustrating it was because one of the mandates from Gene Roddenberry is that everybody on the crew gets along. That makes it very hard to write good drama if there's no conflict. All right, continuing here. Trek got into his bloodstream like so many Borg nanoprobes, and over time he progressed from TNG to TOS, DS9, through all the rest, and eventually he started to express his love of Trek through cosplay. Nothing new there. Quote, when I had the ability to at least get uniforms or costumes myself, I didn't have to I didn't have to ask for my parents to buy me something because they wouldn't. I'm a very simple cosplayer. I just buy costumes and I have them tailored. I'm not skilled. I blah, blah, blah. So how he became a diehard leftist is also a standard tale, particularly the common refrain in the last several years. See that okay, make a note of that. In the last several years. What's been going on in the last several years? The media has been pushing some leftist agenda because Orange Man Bad. And this has been a long time coming. We've known that the media was leaning, leaning left for a number of years. And over the last few years, it's become prevalent. And we see it not only in our mainstream media, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, wherever... But also in our genre media, IO9, Nerdist, The Mary Sue. God, The Mary Sue. Following the run up to the election of 2016, aha, uh -huh, Wen found himself disillusioned with two major parties and went looking further left for answers. Why? Why do you look further left for answers, Will? Why can't you look both directions and find whichever one that you like best, that works best, that makes the most sense? Why do you just automatically jump left? He says, my generation, the millennial generation, well, that explains a lot, were affected by the crisis that is capitalism. B-X. Capitalism is not a crisis. Although every generation has been affected by the excesses of capitalism, Wynn says, some generations are more uniquely situated to witness that. Quote, that's obviously the millennial generation and the Zoomers right behind us, he says. They were told that they just sort of go to school and take on this debt, but then you'll get a job. They play by the rules, right? But then they've emerged into a market that is virtually non-existent. They're swimming in debt and then having almost all their income go for rent I've got to piece together multiple jobs, three or four side hustles, gig jobs. This is the best that capitalism can do. No, it's not. So I think I became radicalized just by my experience, just like millions of other people, not just in this country, but around the world. Wen spent 2016 to 2020 firming up his views, and in 2021 he's thoroughly unimpressed with what either party has to offer. Eventually, he realized that his political beliefs and his hobbies aligned, and the Star Trek communist was born. 
All right, now we're going to get into his thoughts that communism is what leads us to a Star Trek society. He says, the reality is we actually already live in a post-scarcity world. Except we don't. There are limited resources, and there are political entities and organizations that control those resources a little bit more stringently than they should. There's a lot of corruption, especially in places like Africa, South America. There's corruption and graft here. Look at the Soviet Union. Oh, wait, you can't because it collapsed under the pain of communism. Look at Venezuela. Impoverished, destitute, most of their civilian population is in the poorhouse. See, one of the, one of the tenets of, of, of communism is, you know, everybody is kind of, you know, spreading the wealth around. Well, the way you do that is that you take wealth from the producers and you give it to the people who don't produce and then everybody is at the same level of poverty. Universal health care, yeah, maybe, but the quality of the health care is so poor, as in what we see in Cuba, that they're coming to the United States in order to have medical procedures. We see it from Canada as well. People are coming from other places to the United States because we have better systems in place. And I contend, and I have always said this, if you make doctors VCRs, if you allow for market forces to be introduced into the healthcare system and let competition drive that system, because right now they don't. But if you let doctors compete for your business, prices will go down. If you let pharmaceutical companies compete for your business, prices go down. If you limit the frivolous malpractice lawsuits that get slung around, we are in such a litigious society where everybody wants to sue everybody for every little thing. The insurance companies need to get out of our business of regular, everyday maintenance care. You don't report an oil change to your insurance company. You report an accident where the car is destroyed. That's what you report to the insurance company. The insurance companies in healthcare do not need to be involved in every little visit. Hey, I've got a sprained ankle. Oh, I've got a sore throat. I need an antibiotic because I've got a cold. The insurance companies don't need to be involved in those things. Let them handle when you have a heart attack or cancer, or maybe you get an arm cut off in an accident or something. The catastrophic stuff is what insurance is supposed to be for. But somewhere along the way, we have allowed the insurance companies to take over control of our healthcare decisions. That's not how you get to Star Trek. All right, continuing here. 
quote. There's often an argument that people say, oh, you get you get the Star Trek future because you have a replicator box in the wall. And, you know, only then can you have socialism or communism, which I would say that's a very disingenuous dodge because we already have the ability to house and clothe and care for everyone right now. That's not that hard. Okay, then why are there so many homeless in San Francisco and Los Angeles? The Earth has the ability to t feed 10 billion people. We might very well be able to do that. But then you have communist regimes like you have in China that are so corrupt and so self-centered that you're not going to feed 10 billion people just because of altruism, because people... People are people. People are selfish. People are greedy. And this is something that we talked about before. And when you get power and control over someone, and food is just another way to leverage against somebody. I have the food. You need the food. You do what I say, or you don't get the food. That's how a communist regime works. His approach seems, at first, shallow. Yes, it is. He doesn't spend a lot of time debating his haters or engaging in nuanced descriptions of theory, though talking to him for even a few minutes shows that he is more than capable of doing so. Okay, so if he doesn't want to engage in the people to debate, why not? See, this is part of the problem with the Internet. And social media. I can lob a grenade out there and say, I think, fill in the blank. And we've seen a lot of this lately over on Twitter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute the responses now. I'm going to mute the replies now. You don't want a debate. You don't want a discussion of ideas. You just want somebody to accept what you say as holy writ and be done with it. This is intellectual dishonesty on the surface, but it's also completely disingenuous that you sit there and say you want to debate and then you don't debate. You sit there and say you want to discuss ideas. And you want people to ask you questions and, and, and you explain your point of view, but you're not willing to listen to anybody else's point of view. That's intellectually dishonest. He said his pictures and memes serves as bait for those who grow enraged by his posts. So he's basically a troll. Quote, it's the online culture of saying, you know, change my mind. They want that argument. They want to have this debate. And I've already gone down that road a long time ago. Well, OK, Will, if you've gone down that road a long time ago, then your arguments should be rock solid, airtight, 100 percent. You've got an answer for everybody that criticizes or questions you. So have at it. Defend your position. Those of us who are of a faith, Christians are told, be prepared in season and out of season to defend your faith. 
Anybody questions what I believe, I can tell them what I believe, and I can tell them why I believe it. If you have this idea that communism is the only way we get to a Star Trek type of society, then you had better be ready to defend that position. The fact that you don't want to have the debate tells me that you're afraid your position is not unassailable. If you are not willing to listen to other people's ideas, then you're intellectually stunted and closed-minded and you're not going to win the argument. And you become the object of ridicule as you have become because of articles like this. So if I stop and ask, how does an idiot like this get a profile piece written up about him? That's a very good question. Because I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this puff piece propaganda crap written by Sean Kelly, he, him. Well, that tells you something right there. On the official StarTrek.com website. And this tells you a couple of things. It tells you, one, StarTrek.com is compromised, just like any of the other sites. Two, does this will win guy know someone? How do, how do you profile this guy? Because there are a lot of people who are conservatives who are fans of Star Trek. Where are those profiles? Why do we talk just to the guy who thinks that communism is the way we get there? It's absolutely ridiculous. And it is more evidence to support the notion that all of these media sites are in the tank for the progressive lunatic left. We must do everything we can to convince people that communism is the way, that socialism is the way. And, and they use those, those phrases interchangeably, but they're not. Either way, people end up dead. Communists run countries where they end up having to kill people who disagree with them. That's communism. Communists are the enemy. And communism is not how you get to a Star Trek society. And I will submit to you that we will never be in that kind of society. Ever. There are too many flaws in the one world order garbage. I don't know, a lot of people are talking about the Great Reset and how people really, really are looking for that to happen. People really pushing for that Great Reset so we can have this world government thing. It doesn't work because people are people. And certain people are greedy 
and certain people are lazy and certain people are evil. And some of them are running some of these countries and they're killing their enemies, people who disagree with them, people who criticize them, people who have a different lifestyle. You want communism? Communism kills homosexuals. Communism kills Christians. I don't see that in Star Trek. And if communism is how we get to Star Trek, then I don't want it. I don't want to live in that kind of society. Because I'll be just just as, as vulnerable, just as much of a target, lined up against the wall and shot for what I believe. That's communism. The <laughs> sci-fi snob. I'm okay with communism if I get to be the Stalin. Well, see, you just have to form your own little country Define your barriers, set up your borders. Besides that, walls work. Create your own little fiefdom. And you can you can go stalling all you want. This is not this is not journalism. And I have to wonder, because we, uh, we talked to Ian Spelling back when we did our tribute on Starlog magazine. Ian Spelling was a writer for Starlog. He ended up as the editor for StarTrek.com for a number of years. He's not there anymore. But I have to wonder, if he had been in charge of the, of the site, would he run an article like this? I mean, this is clearly a puff piece. And it's... It's not about Will Win. Will Win is the entry point, but the article is just another way to propagate this notion that communism is good. Communism is good for society. The Jamestown colony would like a word. Venezuela would like a word. The Eastern Bloc of Europe would like a word. Venezuela, Cuba, Poland, Czechoslovakia, the Soviet Union. Oh, wait. That's right. China. How many people are oppressed in China? How many people are killed in China? How many, how many babies were not allowed to be born under their one-child policy. That's communism. Everyone is equal, but some are more equal than others. This is not how you get to a Star Trek society. And look, post-scarcity is, is a key element of that. Replicators, things that can whip up things out of, out of nothing... Your source, your, you know, your, your, your raw resource, raw materials. We should have been on Mars by now. We could be mining the, the, the asteroids for raw materials. And maybe at some point, maybe, maybe we get to that post-scarcity moment. 
But having the resources and having the raw materials and having the ability to do something comes hand in hand with a society where that's unfettered. And we don't have that. You have governments in place. You have regulations in place. You have dictators who like to run things their way. It's going to be a particularly messy problem. Because governments don't always get along. People don't always get along. You look at, you look at what's going on with Elon Musk. I mean, how much grief does he get? And how much success has he had in, in virtually inventing whole technologies? Improving on technology. And he's still considered the odd man out and draws a number of criticisms for how he's trying to do his business. Robert in the chat, remember all the particularly dumb Hollywood stars denouncing China for occupying Tibet because said Holly weirdos were in yoga cults. <laughs> yeah. I think it goes beyond that. I mean, look, if, if you if you have that opinion, that communism is the end all be all of a successful society and productive society, you should be able to defend that position. You should be able to tell me why. See, this article here, talking to, to Will Wint, doesn't actually question his position. It doesn't get into the why he thinks how he does. He doesn't have to defend himself. We just present this as, this is the guy who thinks that communism will get us there. It's not journalism. There's no, there's no skepticism in this article. There's no questioning his position in this article. There's no pushback in this article. This is propaganda. And this is how it happens. We get into our, our entertainment media and we propagate these, these cultish beliefs that are unquestioned and the young minds full of mush, the young skulls full of mush, as Limbaugh called them, eat this up. Because it's all they have. It's all they know. Because it comes at them 24-7 from every different place on the internet. It comes to them from academia. It comes to them from their newspapers and their, and their, and their, their, video, uh, their video channels on YouTube and, the, and anything else that they encounter. And they're not taught critical thinking. They're not taught to examine these things and ask, why is this a thing? Why do you believe this? Defend your position, sir. And nobody's willing to do that. All right. I've ranted enough. Now it's time to get to the important part of the day. We're going to open a box. Shall we open a box? Do we want to play some music while we open a box? What kind of music can we play... While we're opening a box. Let's see here. How about... Nope, not that not that folder. This folder. Music.
some box opening music. Is that does that work? Does that work for everyone? I don't know, Mrs. Boss, do you like that music? Sure. All right, we're going to open a box. How's that? Is that music better? Does it is it is it loud enough? Can we hear it? No? Okay. I just didn't have it turned up loud enough, I guess. Uh, Robert asks if this is from Superhero Stuff. No, it's not. It's from Sideshow Collectibles, apparently. And let's see if I can get a, a good shot of it here. <laughs> Save the box so a kid can build a fort with it later. I, I'm getting there. I gotta, I gotta get a shot here and focus. All right. This is my lights going out here. This is from Sideshow Collectibles. It is a, a gift. It is the Shakespeare Vinyl Bust. Very cool. Very cool. This is from Batman 1966. Uh, we'll have to... Let's see if it opens up.
It's 20 inches tall. Those of you who are listening to this show as a podcast, this is why you should watch. This is why you should watch live. Because you never know what's going to happen. All right. There. All right. Lots of plastic. There he is, folks. The William Shakespeare bust from Batman 1966. And it does open. It does open. And we've got a button. Does the button do anything? Doesn't look like the button does anything. It's a bank. Very cool. Now we'll have to figure out where we're going to put it. But there it is. It looks rather, rather dashing in his bronze. Yeah. It does flip up. Now the button, the button appears to be just for show. The button doesn't doesn't do anything. Um, and this little dial here doesn't do anything. But you know what? We could always retrofit it with some winky blinkies. I think maybe. You never know. That would be kind of cool. Robert says, I almost ordered a die-cast 1968 Batmobile from Superhero Stuff. It's making me want to go back and order it. Well, yeah, go ahead. Um, put it in the... <laughs> no, sci-fi snob, we're not going to put it in the bedroom. <clears throat> Robert has a Shakespeare bust that's a planter with a cactus growing out of it. See, you know, people can get creative with this kind of thing, right? All right, so there we are. Let me uh, adjust the camera shot here. Let's see here. What does that look We'll put that there so you can get a good look at it. William Shakespeare, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So, thank you very much for that. We always appreciate uh, when we get stuff like this. Uh, That was a surprise when it arrived at the studio today. A pleasant surprise. Glad to have that. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here. Tomorrow on the program, filmmaker Patrick Ray. 
And on Wednesday, author Eric Leland will be here. And then uh, tonight, we've got a new H2O podcast discussing what makes a hero. What's a good hero? What are some of the characteristics of the hero figure? There are some universalities. And then tomorrow night, we've got a brand new Salacious Crumbs, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central, with the latest Star Wars news. little rumor. And then we'll be talking about all of that, things related to Star Wars, on the Ranker Pit Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And then on Saturday, following Good Morning Multiverse, we'll have a brand new Foreign Bodies at 1 p.m. Eastern. I believe they're going to be going to Sweden this week for discussion of horror outside the United States. So we invite you to check that out. And if you are new to the, to the channel, uh, you can subscribe, have your notifications turned on. And uh, feel free to leave your comments, your thoughts on this or any other topic that you have. Uh, we'll probably do another open line at some point here in the next uh, week or so. And uh, we'll see what happens after that. Thanks very much for being here, folks. We are always glad that you're here. We're glad that you come back, those of you who continue to come back. Those of you who are new, hopefully you stick around. Maybe we'll do something that you like every now and again. Um, so that's going to do it. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.